And now for something purposely positive. Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. So tonight on Strive to Thrive, let me ask you a question. If you have ever felt your heart racing as you looked down from the top of a tall ladder you are not alone. Have you ever had that feeling? Well, for some people, this distress can even be more serious. I mean, simply thinking about climbing up a ladder can lead to this really intense fear and anxiety. Now, this is roughly only one in 15 people, and they have this fear of heights known as acrophobia, and they have it at some point in their lives. But about one in three people, they experience a discomfort or a distress when they're exposed to heights. It's not full acrophobia. The term acrophobia is usually reserved for people with extreme, irrational, persistent fears of heights. Well, we're not going to really get into too much of the extreme fear, but we're going to talk about those people that really do have some fear of heights tonight. Now, what leads people to feel anxious, even thinking about climbing up a ladder? while other people have no problem climbing or working up on a roof. Well, that's part of our discussion tonight, and I'm going to bring in a good friend of mine to discuss this with us. So let me introduce my friend, Kendra Sue Waldman. Hello, Kendra Sue. Hello. How are you doing? I am great. I am excited about tonight because I know a lot of people that actually experience this fear of heights. It really gets in the way of things like going to the amusement park, going on the Ferris wheel <laughs> when you look down. Have you known people that just won't ride the Ferris wheel? Uh, yes, I was one of them. And uh, I just would go up there and kind of look up at the sun, the moon, the stars, <laughs> and mm -hmm. definitely not look down. <laughs> definitely not look down. I, I, I get that. I, I suppose she wouldn't yell at me too much for uh, for bringing this up, but my ex-wife had a terrible fear of going up on Ferris wheels. She loved roller coasters, but when you got up on the Ferris wheel, you know, the worst thing you could do is rock it back and forth. <laughs> so, of course, I used to do that. Oh, lovely. Poor <laughs> That's a lovely, lovely thing to do. I'm sure she loved you even more. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. The roller coaster is going so quickly that you don't have time to look down. Right. Whereas the Ferris wheel, you're going so slowly. You want to look down and be like, when am I getting off this thing? And then when, you know, your loved one shakes it, it makes it worse. It certainly does. But it's fun. Not for her. <laughs> no, no. So, uh, so let's talk a little bit about this, uh, this whole experience of fear of heights. Now, you mentioned that you have had this and you've managed with time to overcome some of this. Let's hear a little bit about your story and how that came to pass. Yeah, I, I find this really fascinating. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this because in hindsight, I've never really talked about this. It's just something that I ended up working on and curing quote unquote and it's something that's now inside of me but I'm super excited to talk about it and and share kind of how I got there so the word acrophobia right is ironic because I was an acrobat 
right, as a kid. So I was flying through the air. I was a cheerleader. And I'll tell you, even when I was a cheerleader and they would throw me up, toss me up, I was petrified. But I did it because I I was good at it and I did it, okay? Mm -hmm. It didn't mean, and there were some people who would get tossed up and they could care less. It didn't mean that I wasn't shaking in my high top sneakers. I mean, I was like, it was just, you know, and, and as someone who's scared of heights, we actually see vertical distances below greater than they really are. Yes. That's very true. So true. And so the, you know, my friend Kristen next to me, when she's up there on the guy's hands, you know, she sees whatever, seven feet below, I see 14, you know, I mean, it was, and, and so this was a way of life. And I learned early on that, it was not normal. You know, even like flying, when I get up in planes, I was like, this isn't normal. Like I get the aerodynamics behind it, but I was like, this isn't normal. How are we up here gliding, you know? So it manifested in in a lot of things, like you said, ladders and even high rise buildings, especially in the ones that have the glass windows in an elevator where you're overlooking. I mean, I remember being in a big city and they had the glass walk. And I was the only one of four of us who wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it? I would not do it. Absolutely not. Absolutely mm. not. I am not going to walk out there and see below, you know, a hundred floors. No, it, I was, I was petrified, truly, to the point where, like you said, heart was not only trembling, but my hands were shaking. I was sweating, you know? I mean, you, this is how powerful the mind is. These thoughts that create emotions, which create behavior, you know, it's all linked. The mind is so powerful. So yeah, it was intense. Very intense. Yeah. And the mind is powerful because that is what, well, it's actually, it's for our protection. It's really in what I, what I call the reptile brain. Some people call it the chimp brain, but it's in the amygdala, that part of the brain that has the fight or flight response. It is healthy for us to be afraid because you know, we don't want to fall. We don't want to get hurt. We don't want to die. So that is healthy. But what becomes interfering with our life is when it becomes irrational. Exactly. I love that you said that. I'm so happy you said that because this is one of my favorite subjects is the subconscious mind. Right. Oh, I, love it. I, I do too. I, I know. That's why we connected. We were like yeah. two pieces of fun. So the subconscious mind, that is 93 to 95% of our brain which is obviously the majority, these are pre-programmed beliefs, right? It's a belief system. I call it the BS of the mind. Yes. I love that. The BS of the mind. Because it's everything that we were raised to believe, to think, to view the world. So whether you, you know, the way you view the world, you know, your personality is your personal reality. So you could go from politics to religion to all that, but it could even be like about heights and What I learned once I started processing this trauma of fear of heights is that any phobia you have is usually, almost always, something that happened as a child traumatically that programmed into the subconscious mind. And I know exactly what mine was. You do? I know the how did you find out that, that that's a whole story in itself? Because most of the things in our programming comes from childhood when we don't even remember it. When we're being developed as as a small child, and I wish I could tell and teach young parents this, that be very careful and be very smart about what you train these children to believe, because that belief system will stay with them for their entire life. And it's very difficult, although it's not impossible. And and really, with proper training, you can change those things. That's where NLP is such a wonderful thing. I love it. I I just got certified a couple uh, weeks ago, and 
it was one of the best things I could have done. So mm -hmm. for those uh, listening who don't know what NLP is, it's neuro linguistic programming. And it's, it's amazing. There, there are so many facets of it that we'd have to have a whole podcast and probably a whole series to really <laughs> adequately discuss that. But anyway, so, so tell me about this experience that you had. 1982. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember the month, uh, but I was very young, like under the age of six. And um, so basically I remember we went out, I grew up in Florida and my mom, dad and I, they were together at the time. We went out to uh, Washington to Mount St. Helen and it had erupted a couple years prior, the big 1980 eruption. And so we went out there. And, you know, you'd go into these little shops and there was, there were these little souvenirs of lava and this and that. Well, we went up on this lookout and I remember it was just, even at a young age, I mean, I, I remember the visual of it just being so, so sad. You know, the, the, the trees were just, it just was black. And then you'd go into the stores and you'd see the before photos and it was just green and blue. And, you know, so I remember this image. What I really remember is that there was this chain link fence, uh, but it was a lower fence. And I remember my mom took a photo of my dad and I against it with a little, you know, those old school cameras might've even been disposable and no iPhones at the time. And I remember my dad then lifted me up, put me over the fence. I remember it being, oh yeah. And the big sign said, no trespassing. I don't even know if I could read at the time, but I knew it was big, like a big, you know, the circle with the line through it. I knew it meant no go. He puts me over. I'm like, okay, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fearless. And he says, go get that big piece of lava. There was like this big piece of lava. He really wanted it. So I start walking where it's like a no-go zone. My mother starts panicking. I feel like there were some curse words and she's like, what are you doing to our daughters? You know? And so all of a sudden I turn around and I, I just remember Taurus looking at me like, <gasps> and so you know, and then I look back the other way and there's this huge cliff. And I was like, oh, maybe this isn't good. So then I walk back up and my dad picks me back over and my dad's like, stop worrying, you know, stop being a worry ward is what he would call her. But I knew at that moment, like there was something about heights that you're not supposed to go on the precipice. Like you're not supposed to go over near a cliff. And that was it. Uh, you know, there's a couple of stories that I, when you're telling this, that just I, I really connected with me. Well, first off, I've always said that when a little child runs, falls and maybe trips and gets a boo-boo, as we used to call it when they were little, the best thing you can do is not make a big deal about it. Because have you ever noticed sometimes when a toddler falls, they look up at the adult to see how the adult reacts before they decide, are they going to laugh or are they going to cry? Because they haven't learned yet. They know it doesn't feel that good, but... And, and in your case, I'll bet if your mom hadn't run screaming and all these people, you probably would have gotten that lava, got back, climbed up over the wall and been totally fine. Totally. totally. Like as someone who, you know, falls and their parents just like brush it off. You're good. I'm sure that person like, you know, runs into like, you know, their bedpost. They're like, yeah, <laughs> whatever. You know? I love it. The other thing that uh, that connected is, is I've been there, too right around that time, probably, because my sister lived in Portland, Oregon, used to go out. And, and when I would visit her out there, it was after Mount St. Helens. And I remember going up there and I'm a few years older than you. So I remember going up and driving through these these mountains up there. And one of the things that really blew me away in those mountains are the logger trucks. They drive. Yeah. 
they drive on these roads that are so narrow with no guardrails, with a, a huge load of logs, which has to weigh an amazing amount. And, you know, and then, yeah, and I'm going, they have no fear. I know, I know, because I, I can see the image still that many yes. years ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. So yeah, so when you were telling that story, I was like, yeah, I've been there. I've been up on that mountain. I know what that's like. So, but that's great. So how did you use this? And how did, were you able to overcome this? Did knowing this experience contribute to you overcoming it? Yes. So I didn't know that that was the experience. That was the catalyst. I had no idea. And once I kind of went through this awakening process into higher consciousness, and I know if, if people don't understand what that means, it just means getting really in touch with limiting beliefs, whether they're self-limiting beliefs, like I can't do this, I can't do that. Why do I believe that? Well, because someone told me as a kid. And so it's just really getting into like, who am I? Who am I really? And so once I started doing all this work a couple of years ago uh, and doing the healing and getting really in touch with the brain, I find the brain fascinating consciously it's only five percent you know the captain of the ship is the conscious mind well he has a lot of crew members back there to take care of like in the subconscious mind right so i started really researching this and i heard people doing things like hypnosis and i was like ah, i just kind of want to figure out the deeper meaning like you know what's going on here and if i can tackle it and reprogram the subconscious mind which is now like epigenetics and what we're doing with literally changing brain waves. I thought, what was the moment I discovered the moment? And, and like you said, it is an evolutionary advantage, right? So when that happened, it was to keep me away from heights, mm -hmm. but it's also phobias as they're called are irrational fears, which I don't necessarily agree with that term because it lessens someone's fear. It, it, it makes someone feel like what they're feeling is not real. And I think it's important to acknowledge our fears and to not brush them under the rug because they are, if it's a real fear, it's a real fear. Yeah. To that person. And it is important to acknowledge those things. And so I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, irrational fears makes it sound like, Oh, for me to have this fear, it's something's wrong with me. And that's not true. Exactly. So once I said, okay, this is not irrational. I found out the root of it. And I said, you know, okay. So was I in danger in that moment? Maybe nothing happened. I'm okay. Have I ever fallen off anything? Right. It's the fear of falling, which is then really like into the fear of dying. Right. And so then it manifested again, planes, this and that, when you're out of control, right. When you're out of control of the situation. And I just got really to the root of it. And I thought, am I really, really, really in danger? Like there's not that many times I'm, I'm high above. And then the next time I got high above uh, when I was zip lining, the first time I did it before I had like worked on this. I remember looking down and I was sweating and the heart and the this. And the next time I went ziplining, I said, you know, you're not in fear. This is safe. It was everything that I was telling myself before. That's all it was. It was thought. So I said, you're, you're really not in danger. People do this thousands of times each week. You're okay. And when I told myself that, I literally told myself that I believed it. It went from ziplining. It went to, I mean, recently I was, you know, at this in Phoenix at this adult, like it was like a Chuck E. Cheese for adults, but it had like, you know, a fun house. And, you know, it was, there was this tightrope walk and I was like, you got this, you know, you have the, the straps on, you're good. And all of a sudden I just, I like ran across, not to fear of getting to the other side, but I ran across because I was like, I got this. And I was like, whoa. And I impressed myself. So it's been a really, it's, it's just, again, it goes back to how powerful the mind is. 
It absolutely does. Now, it's interesting that you were able to talk yourself out of it because sometimes I find that you can't do that as much because when you're talking to yourself, you're, you're using your, your rational brain and you really have to get into your subconscious mind, which is where the emotions are. What happens is we make a decision based upon that reptile brain again. That is where all of our decisions are made. It's the physical brain. Sometimes the emotional brain is involved in that as well, but it's usually the lower brain. The upper brain is what we think we operate out of, which is, you know, the cranial brain. It's the, the rational brain, the thinking brain, the mind. And every decision that we make really doesn't happen in that part of the brain. What happens is we make a decision in one of those lower brains, probably the physical brain, and we use our rational brain to convince ourselves why we made that decision. So for you to be able to use your rational brain to talk to yourself and say, no, this really isn't scary. People do this all the time. You know, whatever things you told yourself for you to actually have gotten through to your uh, internal brain and into that physical brain, that's pretty amazing because that's usually, it usually takes a while to reprogram that. I, I absolutely agree. And that it's basically rewiring the brain. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it's possible. Like it this, is. this is science now. This is no longer woo woo, like, oh, manifest it. No, 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 no. This is science. When they hook up, you know, so many people are doing this now. Joe Dispenza, I mean, the list goes on and they hook up the brain, the brain waves. When you talk to yourself differently, the brain waves actually change. Yes, they do. And yeah. I've, se I've seen, I've seen video and scans of that. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. And, and I eventually, the, the one thing I did right before that things really turned for me is I had done, uh, it was kind of just by accident. I did this virtual reality event and you were really high up. And I, and I realized I was like, I'm scared just looking at this. I know I'm standing literally on the flat ground. This is how powerful the mind is. Like, why am I scared? I'm not going to fall, like, not even one foot. I'm standing on the ground. Like, <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God, that's when it clicked for me. It's all in the mind. I'm standing yes. on, I'm seeing something different in my oculars that I'm like way up above I'm flying. And I was like, and I felt it and I thought, whoa, the mind is, the mind is just extraordinary. And so with that is when things really changed. And now they're actually using that. I'm sure, you know, for phobias to fight phobias, they're putting on oculars because the body really feels that and shape shifting. I did the exact same thing uh, with one of those virtual reality playgrounds where you strap on and you put the little headphones on and you, you walk out on a building and what happens is you're supposed to be walking on a plank and the plank breaks and you drop and you feel like you're falling and you actually feel like you're literally falling. And yeah, it, it is intense and it's all in the mind. Wow. It's unreal. It still blows my mind. <laughs> it does. It does. The roller coaster is the same thing. We, there's a virtual roller coaster and you feel like you're on a roller coaster. Yeah. It's crazy. So, so now with this discovery that you made, being able to use your mind to create your own reality and to beat this irrational fear of heights, uh, how would you recommend somebody else uh, do this? You know, I never got hypnotized for it. I know many people do, uh, and I've seen it work. That wasn't my approach. I basically started meditating on it. I would start watching images of it, and I started realizing again that this was in the mind. And I really started making notes of how many times was I in a situation where I was really in danger. 
really in danger in the elevator? Am I really in danger um, in the airplane? They're safer than cars, you know? And I just started taking notes of, was I really in danger? And I know, I know it sounds easier said than done. That's partly true, but I was sick and tired of sweating every time <laughs> that I yeah. got and so part of it is also like visualization, just imagining that, that you are, you know, imagine that it is a virtual reality and imagine you are on the ground, you know, again, if it's if the mind's that powerful when you're in virtual reality and you can feel like you're flying, well, same is true when you're actually in an elevator, you can just trick your mind. Yeah. Yeah. You can trick your mind, even in a regular elevator where you didn't, uh, you know, not one of these glass elevators where you can look outside. I know. Cause I know they have those. Yeah, no, that, that affected me too. Cause it was the fear of the fear of falling, the fear of like the elevator cutting loose. Right. Ah, okay. That makes um, sense. No, it was, it was all of it. I think, you know, my spirituality kind of just also took over and said, you know, the universe has me and I have to trust it. And I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to live in fear. And I just really want to trust. So that was right. a big part it was really getting in. I'm not going to lie. I was really getting into heart space and out of my head. That was, that was really, truly a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes, and it does, it makes a big difference where, where you, what part of you you're living in. And once you get out of your head into heart space, you will, it'll change your life. It really will. Let me transition a little bit. We mentioned airplanes and somebody had asked me about this, you know, since I was doing this series on fears and I mentioned fear of heights and they said, well, what about fear of flying? And I said, well, really fear of flying is part of fear of heights because you just touched on it really that Fear of heights has to do with fear of falling. When you have fear of being in an airplane, you're up, you're up pretty much as high as you can go. I mean, without, you know, being an astronaut going into space, but um, yeah, when you're up there, you really fear the fall. You don't fear being up there because there's nothing, you're up there. Everything's fine. You know, you're sitting in a plane, especially if you're flying first class, you know, maybe having cocktails or having uh, peanuts or do they even serve that stuff anymore? I haven't been on a plane in a while. <laughs> I think with, with peanut allergies, no. And uh, now with COVID, it's just less and less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, 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 not only do you have to wear the mask when it falls down from that space in front of you, you have to wear the other mask. Wear it all the time. Yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but fear of flying is really fear. It really has to do with fear of crashing because if you are in an airplane, if you are in a skyscraper, if you're up in a tall building and you fall, you are not going to live. That translates to fear of dying. An interesting thing is uh, we had a discussion before you and I um, online a little bit about fear of dying itself and how that relates to fear of living. Yep. <laughs> Touch on that for me a little bit, because I think well, that's interesting. So I'll, I'll preface it with this because I'm intrigued by words. I'm very intrigued by words. Phobia, the Greek word, it comes from the Greek word fear, right? And so acro, heights. Uh, the fear of dying is, it's pronounced a couple ways, uh, thanatophobia or thanatophobia. And, thanatophobia, and yeah. Thanatos is the Greek word for death. And so I think that so many people, and ironically, this is, this is so apropos to be talking about this right now. I just did, did a training this past weekend. I am, I'm certified in various things, but I did this one past weekend for, to be certified as a death doula and to help people cross over when they're passing away. Mm. We talked a lot about the fear of dying and how so many people and their dying days, you know, it's because it's the unknown. They don't, they don't know what's going on. 
And so that's one thing. That's a whole other conversation. I think so many get so many people get but carried away with dying that they stop living, right? Or even if they're not as scared of dying, they're just scared of living in general. They're scared to make a change in their career. They're scared to follow their calling because what will their friends say or what will their parents think? You know, uh, I mean, some of us like who are even like adults are like, you know, you're, you think about what your parents are going to say. So you're not really living your life. And so I came up with, I mean, and, and I see it all the time. I say, what's on your bucket list? And they'll say this, 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 and this. And I said, so when are you going to start checking off the boxes? Uh, you know, in a year or two. Why? Like, why? How do you, how do you know how long you live? Like, this is the time. This is, this is not a, a dress rehearsal, as we know. This is the real show. And so I came up with a word because I had been Googling fear of living because I talk about this with my clients and I cannot find it. So please help me if there's one out there. But I came up with, um, because the word living in Greek is bio. So I was like, biophobia, the fear of living. Like, I you know, love that. That makes sense. Yes, right? because because all these phobias come from these Greek words and the Greeks and the Latin, they have a big uh, monopoly on our languages. They really do. And I honor them and love them for it. And I spent actually mm -hmm. three months at an ashram in Greece. So Wow. Oh, that sounds wonderful. That's a whole other discussion. <laughs> a whole other one. Uh, so yeah, so biophobia, like how many of us are not living our life to the fullest? How many of us have this unfulfilled potential or unfulfilled calling or unfulfilled passion, you know? And, and what's it going to take? Is it going to take my friend at 39 dying of pancreatic cancer to wake people up? You know, what is it going to take? It doesn't need to take someone else passing to realize that you need to live. You know, I, this is what I talk about all the time. This is it. Time is now. And if you're going to live in the past, you're most likely depressed. If you're living in the future, you're most likely anxious. Get into this moment and live it and start checking off your bucket list. No more biophobia. <laughs> no more biophobia. I'm going to write that down. That's for sure. And I pictured the hourglass. I think this is a great metaphor. We have sand at the top and sand at the bottom. But we're at that middle point where the sand is going through. That is our now. That is our moment where we're living. Sure, there's sand underneath us, which is the life that we've already lived. And we can't do anything about that sand. It's gone. It's already there. It's already piling up on the bottom of us. And there's sand on top of us running through that hourglass. We don't know how much sand is there. We could just have a little bit or we could have a lot, but we don't know. So let's get out there and let's live our life. And like you said, let's check off those items on that bucket list. Let's get them done because life is not promised. Long life is not promised to anyone. I love that. I love that. The hourglass, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. And when we get hooked up in these phobias, like what we're talking about today, fear of heights, there are some beautiful places that we can go. One of the most amazing things that I love to do is to go hiking up in the mountains. And here in New York State, we have the Adirondacks. And I just love to climb a mountain because, number one, you get that exercise. It's energy that you expel from climbing the mountain and you get the payoff at the top of the mountain. When you look down and you see those, especially in the fall, just the colors painted. I like to say God's tapestry over the world where he just paints this beautiful color that no one else, no painting can ever, you can't experience it any other way. And 
to have a fear of being able to stand at the top of a mountain like that and look down, it just, it's really sad. Oh, I, I, I love that. I love that. You're right. That just made me think of, I realized I went to last year, I went to the Grand Canyon and I remember just leaning over the railing and having images of the Mount St. Helen and just looking down and going, this is so beautiful. I had no fear of falling. And I just looked out at this picturesque view and thought a postcard or no, I don't care what kind of camera you have. It's not going to capture this view. And the fear of heights was gone. It's yeah. all gone. I love it. I love that. Let me just transition again. And I'm going to ask you a few questions now, just kind of off the cuff and just hear how you respond to them. So first question I like to ask people is what makes you feel inspired or at your best self? Hmm. Inspired. I think knowing that others see, seeing others transform inspires me because I was in a tough place. So, uh, when I see others light shine or even like the, the flicker turn into a flame that really inspires me. Oh, I love that. The flicker turned into a flame. As a coach, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It just, it fills my whole body with just, you know, such excitement. So. So if you could have a billboard out there with anything on it, what would it be and why? Nice. Okay. Good question. I'm glad you didn't ask me in advance. I would have been pondering all night. (laughs) Uh, I would... My, my thing, my motto, my logo and everything is welcome home because the poem is where the heart is in your own heart space. You're always home. So mine would say welcome home with my logo, uh, which has a little heart or it is a heart and it has an infinity sign and a, a home in it. So basically you're never longing for more. You're never homesick. You could be like on the freeway and traffic and you're home. If you're in your heart, you're home. So I would say welcome home. Welcome home. That's fantastic. So if people want to be home and want to uh, have this feeling and also maybe have help with this fear of heights or fear of living, even uh, this biophobia, how could they reach out to you? So they can find me on uh, both platforms, Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is Kendra Waldman. Uh, Facebook is Kendra Sue Waldman. And Actually, we're putting on our first retreat next month, which is very exciting. Mid-December, I should say. And uh, it's going to be very COVID conscious. So we'll see, you know, what happens with the way of the world right now, but very COVID conscious. But I think people are longing for connection so they can find information on that. <clears throat> That's thewelcomehomeretreat.com. Thewelcomehomeretreat.com. Okay. And then my website is kendrasuewaldman.com. Just KendraSueWaldman.com. That's pretty easy. Excellent. All right. Well, I hope people will reach out to you. And I really have enjoyed this experience today. I'm going to ask one more question, which is something that I ask everybody on the show. So if you've listened to the podcast, you may expect this coming. But what does purposely positive or being purposely positive mean to you? I think that goes back to reprogramming the mind and knowing that negative thoughts create negative emotions. It's that simple. When you, with a purpose, are positive, right? There's a positive or negative charge, right? You could be neutral. Do you really want to be indifferent? And you definitely don't want to be negative. So choose the positive. (laughs) And I know that's hard. I know that's hard, but it's also one of those things that, 
We never really lose anything, a person or a battle each time. I promise, I promise, because I speak from experience, I felt like I had such a negative experience and I dwelled on it for so long. Once I finally surrendered that this was happening for me and not to me and there was something in it, it turned out to be the most positive, beautiful experience of my life. And I learned and that's where I am today. So, and now I chronically PS my dreams now that used to be of elevators crashing a couple years ago, my dreams now during the night, I'm flying. I can't tell you how many times it happens. I'm flying. I cannot tell you. They used to be elevators plummeting. Now my dreams are literally, I'm flying and my arms are out and everyone's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm flying as if it's normal. And then the other night, actually four nights ago, I had one where I was parachuting over this beautiful, beautiful forest. And I pulled the lever, the string. And all of a sudden it wasn't like a hard landing. It was such a soft landing. I felt like a fairy. And so this is where now, I mean, talk about fear of heights turning into like, you know, just the love of heights. So I just pictured you floating down with this great big heart-shaped parachute coming out of the sky. That would be something, wouldn't it? That's fabulous. Have you ever thought about that? Is that in your bucket list to skydive? You know, it's, it's interesting you asked that. It was never on my bucket list. And recently I thought, you know, I have done so many things. I, I feel like there's not a like heck of a lot of stuff that's left. And I thought maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm dying to go jump out of a plane. Okay. I think I'd be forcing it a little bit, but I would love the, I think after, after the jump, after that initial jump, I think I would just love free just the glide down, you yes. know, that, that freedom, that liberation would be beautiful. So we'll see. Maybe parasailing off of a mountain or something would be kind of a compromise. Yeah. I've done that. I've done that actually. Okay. Okay. That would definitely be fun. Or hot air balloon. That's something that I've always wanted to do. Get in the hot air balloon. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, I, again, I want to thank you for being on the show today. And again, it's KendraSueWaldman.com. And what was the retreat again? TheWelcomeHomeRetreat.com. TheWelcomeHomeRetreat.com. Kendra Sue Wellman, thank you so much for being on Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive podcast today. Thank you, Tony. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive podcast. Strive to Thrive is brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. In fact, if you would like to go for your greatest success and stop striving and start thriving in life, come to that website and download my free ebook, Strive to Thrive. Thank you again for listening, and you have a great day. And remember, stay purposely positive. Positive.